Hello and welcome to another episode of Sophia's Choice, a Golden Girls podcast. I am Alan and of course here with Ski. Hello, hello. And Brent. Hi. <laughs> and we're going to be uh, discussing season two, episode 12, Sisters, or The Sisters. I've seen it referred to in both ways. Yeah. Uh, of course, we'll do our recap with Ski and our MVPs, as well as the rating as we work towards figuring out the best episode of the entire series. So with that, I'll go ahead and uh, turn it over to you, Ski. Very exciting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so as he said, the episode title is Sisters. Uh, the original air date was January 3rd, 1987. It was. Say what? It was. Would you like some fun facts about it? I would that? love some fun facts. Because we've gotten into a routine where we've been doing like two episodes a night. Right. Uh, you yeah. know, and then that second episode suffers because I do the recap. I would disagree. I, yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's but, they're different, different, but, different, but equal. Yeah. But now since we're just doing the one episode, mm-hmm. I don't have to pace myself. I can oh. leave it all on the field. Nice. <laughs> so, so would you say that that prior episode is all like in the two episode nights yeah. is the first episode suffering because you can't give it the proper attention. Yes. And like, then the second episode suffering because and, you're, yeah. You know, you don't, exactly. I disagree with you, but that you don't give yourself enough credit on exactly. your recapping skills. Exactly. Okay. I don't want to peek too soon. Right. So I hold back. <laughs> so, but because we're just doing the one tonight, I did bring some fun facts about that date. Awesome. Fire away. So January 3rd, 1987. Yes. Okay. Um, so as far as birthdays go, I broke it into uh, five categories. Five uh, categories? Yes. Music, <laughs> sports, film, Television and millennial heroes. <laughs> okay, I'm curious about now, that last the, one. Yeah, the millennial heroes. I wonder if that person will cross over into any other four categories. I guess we'll find uh, out here in a moment. Yeah, good. So for music birthdays, obviously we got a uh, Van Dyke Parks, American singer songwriter. Uh, obviously, obviously. <laughs> uh, you know, check out the Beach Boy Smile for more of his work or Orange Crate Art, or um, that Harry Nielsen album where Nielsen does Newman. Van Dyke Parks on that one. Uh, Stephen Stills, um, who a buddy of mine always refers to as that no-talent hack, Stephen Stills. Now, is that from Crosby, Stills, and Nash? Yes. Okay. And Buffalo Springfield okay. as well. And Manassas. So, um, and Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, we also got John Paul Jones from the Mighty Led Zeppelin. Wow. Uh, Kurt Vile from Kurt Vile and the Violators. And George Martin. Beatles producer and extraordinaire. Wow, that's a lot of musicians uh, for yeah. one particular day. Exactly, and I just cherry picked two. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure there's somebody from ABBA or something who was born on that day. <laughs> uh, for sports heroes, um, we got Canada's sweetheart Bobby Hull. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, now the next two are both near and dear to your heart, but I think I know which one is more nearer and or dearer. Okay. Um, so we got Cheryl Miller, American right. basketball cool. player Very and nice, coach. Yeah. Yep. And Eli Manning. Oh. That's a, I mean, That's I would That's a toss-up for me. Yeah, I, I think I'd go with Cheryl Miller just because, um, you know, as far as Indiana sports heroes, Reggie Miller was yeah. the first in my heart. Um, yeah. You know, then Peyton Manning came, you know, second. Although Peyton Manning, in an overall career, outshined. Yeah. Um, I think it's great that it's both, like, Indiana sports heroes siblings. Yeah, probably the, Famous greatest, ones. the greatest pacer and greatest Colts of all time. Yeah. Their <laughs> sibling share a birthday. Yes. It's an interesting fact. Yeah. For film, we got Sergio Leone and uh, famed hate monger Mel Gibson. <laughs> so, uh, for television, uh, we've got America's sweetheart Dabney Coleman, uh, creator of Community and Rick and Morty, Dan Harmon. 
um, actress and mathematician Danica McKellar. Oh, that's Danica. Very cool. Yep. And uh, Glenn A. Larson, creator of Battlestar Galactica, Buck Rogers of the 25th Century, The Fall Guy, Magnum P.I., Oh, so the, Rider, the original. And B.J. and the Bear. Man, that was a lot of stuff he made. Yeah. That, again, just cherry picking. So it's pretty amazing. Yeah. I didn't realize the same guy made all that stuff. Yeah. And then for our millennial heroes, um, sure. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a millennial, so I'm not sure which one they love more. Right. Uh, but one of them, we've got um, a Swedish environmental activist and theoretically friend of Numi, uh, Greta Thunberg. Oh, really? Oh, wow. So, Happy birthday to her. So is that the first post-87 birthday that you mentioned or were any of those others? Uh... Yeah, yeah. She was 2003. Right. Um, Eli Manning was 81. Okay. So he was the closest to there. So, so on a scale of one to ten, how much do you think the millennials love Greta Thunberg? I mean, I hope they're giving her like an eight or a nine or a ten, somewhere high. I mean, I guess it depends. Like, millennials, what's the cutoff end age for millennials? Because, like, millennials aren't too far after us. I think we're generation, what, X? I'm X. I think you're Y. Y, okay. Yeah. So then the millennials, then would pro- if, if that's the cutoff, then the millennials would probably be what, maybe 10, 15 years after us? Probably. I would say pretty high. Um, yeah. I, I would have to guess, like... Those se- those who care about environmental issues specifically, I mean... Yeah. People who don't really care, because, like, honestly, my daughter could probably care less. Right. Um, I would I would have to think, though, aggregate at least, like, seven and a half um, to people who know, like, actually know her at all would probably be, like, eight and a half. Um my guess. Yeah. I'd say Republicans would score her lower. Well, yeah, that's what, but I mean, you figure the younger people tend to yeah, skew yeah. towards the Democrats and tend to skew towards environmental stuff as well. So yeah. I would think that... I definitely respect what she's trying to do. Yeah, I mean, I think if you were going to pull purely millennial Democrats, then it would probably be like a nine or higher. Um, mm-hmm. But if you're talking about as a whole, given that the millennials skew towards Democrats anyway, yeah, I think probably... An, Seven and a half overall, eight and a half um, for people who know. Like, I'll knock a point off because I'm sure there's still a, a large chunk of millennials that don't know the name at all that just, gotcha. just stick out of the or you know okay. stay out of the new stuff. Right. So we'll go seven and a half as the number to beat. Yeah, I'd say so. Okay. <laughs> okay. So then our next one, Robert Loja. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Robert Loja. Now he's looking, a millennial, is he? Are we looking millennial hero? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> have you ever seen a kid light up when Robert Loja shows up? Yeah, Robert Loja. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what. I, I bought probably a hundred cartons of orange juice after Robert Loja endorsed it. Exactly. <laughs> so all my allowance went straight to that. Exactly. Um, I don't know if it's fair to call him a millennial hero. Uh, I think he's a Generation Y hero. Gotcha. So, because I mean, I don't think the millennials have even mm-hmm. gotten to know about his endorsing prowess. Yeah, um, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I want to say, uh, I want to say Will Ferrell did like a Robert Loja like, like music album skit on Saturday Night Live. Oh, really? It may have even been like a repeating thing where he came <laughs> back and there were different, different songs for the different <laughs> albums. Yeah, that is one of my favorite commercials of all time though. Uh, is that, <laughs> do, you, do you remember that commercial? I think so. It yeah. sounds familiar. Yeah, it's just great because it's a person that no child would have ever known at all. Right. But he's so excited to yeah. that. You know. Of course, it's you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so very nice. Did you have any other fun facts um, about? Uh, I mean, that's a yeah. nice chunk of them. But. Yeah, not currently, but I reserve the right to interject once Nancy Walker shows up. <laughs> oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> 
All right, so Ski, I'll go back over to you. All right. If I hadn't already said, uh, this one was written by Christopher Lloyd, Yay. but not the Back to the Future guy. <laughs> and uh, that would have been a cool extra, yeah. <laughs> And directed by Terry Hughes. Did Christopher Lloyd give us enough entertainment in the 80s, though, without having to moonlight oh, yeah. as a Certainly, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah don't course. get me wrong. I'm not saying that it's a it's not a black mark at all against Christopher Lloyd yeah. of, you know, yeah. entertain or what do you call it, like movie uh, acting fame yeah, yeah. Um, at all. It just would have been a cool little extra, mm-hmm. you know, had he also direct or written a, an episode. That'd be a fun uh, guy to have a really good uh, imitation of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can see him being like a fun one to like just interject into a conversation like yeah. <laughs> a very imitatable person I would say like Probably. very distinct with his uh, mannerisms that he uses in his kind acting. of like yeah kind yeah. of like a Christopher Walken yeah exactly kind yeah. of mannerism yeah I had a census taker come to the door the other day because we hadn't filled out our census <laughs> and I was so tempted because Ski and I our favorite Saturday Night Live skit of all time <laughs> is when um Don Cheadle. Uh, no, 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 not Don Cheadle. Cheadle. Um, oh, crap. I can't think of it either. Yeah, it's uh, when... It's Christopher Walken. And yeah, Christopher Walken is getting his senses taken by... Oh, now it's going to rack my brain. I can't remember the actor that, that does the, the census. But, you know, he, he comes in to ask some questions and he says something like... Tim uh, Meadows. What's that? Tim, Tim Meadows. Yeah, yep, Tim Meadows. Exactly. And uh, ask him something to the effect of, like, you know, how many people live here? And he's like, oh, I'm no good with numbers. I don't know. Maybe 80? <laughs> it's like, you have 80 people living in this apartment? He's like, well, there's me. I got some plants, uh, some, some candy, candy bars. bars. <laughs> like, well, those don't really count. Um, just count the number of actual people. He's like, well, there's me and my wife. So two. Like, yeah, I guess so. I guess I really overshot it with that 80. <laughs> and it just goes forward with that. It's a great skit. Um, but yeah, I, I was very tempted to... to roll that out to the census taker yeah. but he was maybe 12 15 to 20 years my elder <laughs> so i don't know if he would have uh have gotten the joke so yeah. but as it wouldn't matter you would have right <laughs> and that's all that matters it doesn't matter you're if gonna I, laugh for the rest of your yeah. life alan i wasted his time already by not just filling it out online like i should have <laughs> so i've decided not to waste it even yeah. more yeah, in person yes that's fair enough but anyway so go on all right so we see uh, outside the house at night a uh, car pulling up into the driveway, and then uh, we uh, go into the house. We see Sophia sitting in the living room, or in the living room, reading a uh, magazine. Uh, she she probably hears the uh, car pull up, so she quickly hides it behind the magazine behind a couch cushion, and then turns off the light. Uh, Dorothy enters and greets her mother with a simple, you know, "Hi, Ma." Uh, walking right past her on the way to her room, uh, Sophia stops her, kind of surprised that she didn't ask why she was, you know, sitting alone in the dark. Dorothy tells her she already knows why. It's her birthday coming up and that she's upset that uh, she's getting older. And Sophia kind of corrects Dorothy and uh, tells her that she's upset because uh, she always gets her crummy gifts. Right. (laughs) Which doesn't explain why she'd be sitting. So basically she's trying to convey that she's just beside herself sitting up in the dark because she's uh, pretty picky expecting a shitty gift (laughs) for her birthday. Yeah. I assume, like, when the episode started, I was like, oh, it's something where Dorothy's out late, and so she's trying to catch her and make it seem like she's been sitting there waiting to catch her coming in late as you would to a teenager. But um, I was surprised at the direction they went with it instead, or the direction the story took it. Yeah. 
I'm 40. I don't really expect any gifts. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, I certainly not for my kids. Uh, right. But especially not a week after Christmas. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, it's true. Yeah. Uh, Dorothy tells her that if she, if she wants better gifts, that she needs to adopt Monty Hall. I thought that was a good old timey reference. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sophia, you know, says she wishes she could because, quote, Jewish sons are the best. They give great gifts. They always call, and you don't have to worry about them uh, getting hurt playing sports. <laughs> yeah, it was it was interesting that they started off like positive things, and then uh, <laughs> right. then a dig there at the end. <laughs> but Mel Gibson would have been proud. <laughs> <laughs> And Dorothy assures her mother that this year she's going to love her gift. What did you say? I'm just going to say that was a nice little birthday present for her. <laughs> uh, Sophia tries to convince her to, uh, to tell her what uh, she's going to be getting, citing her old age, saying you know she could die before actually finding out. Uh, Dorothy is happy to accept this risk, though, and still won't tell her. Yeah, that was one of my favorite lines. Her her response to that was, you know, if she'd be upset. And she said, of course I would. I got it on sale. I can't return it. Right. Um, so. <laughs> I later wondered after finding out what it is, if you really got it on sale. Well, I got a discount on the airfare. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so she enters the uh, the kitchen with where Blanche and Rose are already unpacking some groceries. Uh, Rose tells her she's been having a hard time deciding what to get Sophia. Uh, Dorothy sits down and tells him she was actually hoping to discuss the upcoming party. Uh, Blanche already knows what the Dorothy's surprise is for her mother, uh, but Rose does not and starts to get a little bit jealous. Uh, they explain politely, you know, that she has a tendency to spill secrets. Uh, you're a blabbermouth, they both uh, kind of say, uh, one after the other. Right. She sits down and attempts to convince them that she can keep a secret, but immediately then reveals another secret about Dorothy getting, uh, like, cosmetic ear surgery, I think. She said yeah. getting her ears pinned back in college. Yeah, well, I've heard, you know, <clears throat> there's the phrase about having your ears pinned back that, you know, I think can mean being, like, really focused or things of that nature, like, in a in others or going quickly, I think. Um, but there is, you know, like you said, an actual I think in cos- this case, maybe her ears stuck out a lot right. or something. Yeah, which I guess there are. Sometimes they do surgeries where they kind of put a stitch there just to hold them back, and then other maybe. times they actually cut it. And take some of the cartilage out to uh, reduce the space there um, to get your ears closer to the head, I guess. So, see, I just thought it was like a euphemism for a facelift. Uh, yeah, oh, I maybe, mean, maybe I it don't could know. be, but there literally is a, a surgery. Like I think it's called. Um, I don't. Know, I think I wrote it down, but it's. Uh, let's see. Uh, autoplasty is the name of the surgery for getting your ears. From, you know, like basically. Basically, plastic surgery for the ears is autoplasty. So, um, get thirty-seven percent more lobe. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing worse than someone with not enough lobe. Exactly. <laughs> sweet low, sweet chariots when it comes to them lobes. Right. <laughs> well, Rose admits that she has made some past mistakes, but promises she can uh, she can do it this time and keep the secret. Uh, Dorothy tells her that you know, despite her past, she is actually going to be telling her what the surprise is. Because she'll need her help to arrange things. And then after giving the uh, kitchen door a uh, quick check, as Sophia is actually uh, up there listening in, I think it even hits her in the head or something, right? right? yeah. Uh, she reveals that she's actually flying Sophia's sister, Angela, over to the U.S. from Sicily uh, to attend the party. And then Rose asks, and she's, she's bringing the surprise? <laughs> yeah. 
Now, don't you feel like if Rose is so terrible at keeping surprises, why wouldn't Blanche just be the one in charge of keeping the sister? Yeah. I mean, is it also that she doesn't trust Rose's ability to help coordinate the mm-hmm. other party functions yeah. <laughs> to where um, she's like, well, this is the lesser of two evils that she may reveal the yeah. big. Just be a diversion. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, obviously, Dorsey makes a classic face palm in response to Rose's comment. And uh, Blanche clarifies that Angela is the surprise, and Dorothy adds that they haven't seen each other in like 30 years. Right. Uh, she tells the girls that uh, she'll need help to set up the party and also keeps a few busy while she picks up her aunt. Uh, she then yells to her mother to stop snooping at the back door, and Sophia probably comes in the back door asking, You got eyes in the back of your head or what? Uh, they tell her that she should uh, simply relax and enjoy the surprise. When she realizes Blanche knows what it is, uh, she asks if Rose knows too. Rose immediately gives away that she does in an obvious, uh, like, coy response. Then Sophia offers to take Rose to DQ for chocolate cones after dinner with rainbow sprinkles. Yeah, for an extra nickel. I know. An obvious attempt to uh, squeeze the truth out of her. Now, in 1987, do you feel like a nickel would be worth it for them to even charge? Like, it just seems to me like that would be a worthless extra charge, even in 87. If it was, like, 1947, yeah. then, <laughs> exactly. you know, it makes sense that they'd be like, oh, okay, well, it's an extra nickel if you want that, because the nickel makes a difference in the world. Yeah. But Hey, like, a lot of people want those sprinkles out. I don't know. I, and honestly, I feel like even by today's Log standards, compounding. a nickel for a handful of jimmies isn't really that great of a deal. Because <laughs> 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 you can get, like, a, a jar of them for a buck. So I still feel like they're kind of gouging even by 87 yeah. standards. Or by today's standards, they're really gouging by 87 standards. Yeah. Uh, so we change scenes. Uh, Blanche is now, we see her hanging streamers in the living room when Rose enters. Uh, Blanche is surprised to see her as she was actually supposed to have left with Sophia already to go shopping. Uh, Rose tells her that Sophia keeps giving her excuses to put off leaving. Then Sophia enters holding a, uh, a cane, kind of looking shambly, and telling the girls that uh, a, she had a doctor visit the day before and was told that her heart is a time bomb. Right. And they are, of course, you know, concerned when she tells them this and asks if they can help in some way. Blanche then quickly realizes that this is just yet another attempt uh, to trick Rose into blabbing about the surprise. <laughs> Blanche says, now you stop trying to trick Rose just because she's weak and vulnerable and dim-witted. Yeah, I like that Rose totally agrees with her yes, on, on that as well. Yes, she completely agrees. Yeah, I can't remember if it was in this scene or the prior scene, but another line I really enjoyed that Sophia throws out is, uh, except for the fact that I've only made love in one position, I've had a very full life. Um, <laughs> so, um, I'd like to think that it's a situation. There's a, a movie called This Boy's Life. Have you ever oh, seen that? I have not. It's got Robert De Niro and a young um, Leonardo DiCaprio oh, in wow. it. Oh, that's pretty good. And Robert De Niro is a real asshole, and he's like the stepfather in the movie. And there's a uh, part where he's making love. I'm making air quotes for uh, our listening audience. Uh, <laughs> making love to his wife. And... He tells her she can be on her uh, side or on her face. Those are the only two options. She can't look at him while <laughs> while they are real love making Al. love. Real yeah. love. Uh, so tender. I, I wondered if Sal chose the side or the face for his one position that he allowed <laughs> throughout the course of their marriage. <laughs> so, but well, I mean, yeah. in all likelihood, it was probably missionary. But <laughs> but. <it's, laughs> 
I don't think he would have taken face since he's the male mm -hmm. in the partnership. Like, Sophia would have had to take face. <laughs> what do you mean, take face? Like, you wouldn't have Sal, you know, took side or face. Like, I don't think he would have taken, you know, face. Because then he just would have been, like, lying there on his tummy. And I don't see how Sophia would have. I don't know if I completely understand. Like, by face, like, what I'm saying, it, he said that basically she could be doggy style or on her side. Uh -huh. Those are the two options. Okay. In this boy's life. Correct. Um, so if I'm saying that those are the two options that Sal was choosing, uh -huh. so you're saying that he would not have chosen? It's because then he would be in the doggy position. And then, like, Sophia got a strap on in your situation? Oh, so I'm mean, saying that, I'm saying that you... he chose it for her and not oh, okay. for himself. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> oh. okay. okay. Yeah. No, I don't think that. Uh, I mean, obviously, we have Dorothy and Phil to show proof yeah. that. Uh, and one other that I can't remember the name of offhand. Yeah. So, so no, I don't believe that uh, they had that progressive of no. a relationship. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, <laughs> gotcha. Uh, so knowing that she's been caught, she throws uh, down the cane and tells Rose that they can go ahead and leave for the mall now. Uh, they enter the kitchen, and Sophia immediately enters into a new tactic, trying to play Rose against Dorothy, uh, pointing out all the menial tasks that she has uh, kind of given her, uh, and she claims taking advantage of her and her generosity. Uh, just when Sophia thinks that she's about to crack Rose, Dorothy walks into the kitchen and asks why they're even still around. Because the aunt is there. They finally exit, and Dorothy returns to the front room to get Angela from the car. Uh, when she opens the front door there, though she's already waiting there, um, Dorothy grabs her by the wrist and yanks her in, concerned that her mother may have seen her uh, prematurely. I think she even makes a comment like uh, she was standing there like a guard. No, no, lawn jockey, right? Yeah, all right. Dorothy introduces her to Blanche, who welcomes her and suggests they get uh, her situated, and she offers to help with her luggage. Uh, but then we find that Angela um, enters into a story explaining that she no longer travels with luggage because she once found a dead man in her suitcase. Mm -hmm. uh, she opens a scene with the same classic Sophia style with picture it, New York City, 1956. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, with uh, Pee Wee Bon Bonzi, I believe was the name of the <laughs> the little person that, <laughs> that she met Pee Wee is a great name. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm guessing it's a nickname, but... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe a stage maybe, name. Maybe uh, Cruel Parents. It could be, yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh, you know, he's a little person, so we're going to saddle him with this name. Um, but. but yeah, she does. It. She explains on a trip back to Sicily, uh, she meets what she calls a midget mm -hmm. and uh, says that uh, named Pee Wee, who was fleeing from the mob, and the, ultimately the mob ended up getting him, and uh, they stuffed him into her suitcase between a veal shank and a beaver coat. Mm. And then she continues that she was uh, she was kind of devastated because she had to burn the suitcase and the beaver coat, and the veal shank never did taste right. Yeah. Now, now do you assume that the uh, that she was referring to a merkin? Was that the beaver coat <laughs> that she was <laughs> had to burn? <laughs> yes, yeah. definitely. Uh -huh. And that just broke her heart. Well, I'm sure it did. I mean, you know, probably gets chilly downstairs uh, without that <laughs> coat on, but but. Uh, so uh, Dorothy, you know, basically calls around on telling a, a tall tale, and she admits that, and you know, says that at her age, she kind of uh, tells lies to remember that she's still alive, right? Or stories at least. Blanche offers her a snack, and uh, they all head to the kitchen. 
As soon as Blanche and Angela are out of the room, Sophia enters through the uh, the front door again. Dorothy, you know, sees all this and you know, kind of blocks the uh, door. And uh, before entering the kitchen, and quickly guards it and makes sure Sophia can't see what's going on. Rose then quickly enters behind, telling her that uh, Dorothy is uh, um, nearly oh, she outsmarted her. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dorothy is, uh, I think she even has a good line with like. No. <laughs> How's that possible? Yeah. There is a, a little line before that, yeah, kind of during Angela's introduction um, scene, uh-huh. where I think she's some to Blanche that she looks just like her cousin. Oh, or, that's coming up. Oh, okay, that coming up, so I'm yeah. just jumping ahead a little bit. Okay. It's all right, though. Um, so she apparently told, uh, or Sophia had told Rose, that she had backed over uh, their neighbor, Mrs. Stouffer, mm. while in reverse, which was actually a plausible story because uh, apparently she nearly hit her with a car in a recent incident. <laughs> I think she said she pinned her with her walker or something. Uh, yeah, something like that. Uh, then Rose uh, accompanied Sophia back out to the door, and then as they leave, Angela and Blanche emerge from the kitchen and uh, go to get Angela settled in in, in the back. She then comments at this point uh, how much Blanche looks like Dorothy's cousin, I think she said Abalonia was yeah, the name. Abalonia. Who was a beautiful woman, except for her, quote, huge donkey butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as soon as I heard that, it made me think of that song. I, I don't the know donk, if you... <laughs> no, not that one. The uh, Give me that donkey butt and them big old legs. I ain't too proud to beg. Ain't no shame in this game. <laughs> Gotta break it down like James. And then, is that not a song you're familiar with? Oh, well, you should definitely look it up. It's a fun song to yeah. listen to. You remember her saying that? I don't remember. I recognize the song, but... Okay, yeah, that was the, the first thing. It was like a maybe early 90s, mid-90s. Yeah, something like that. So, but you for you, it was Honky Tonk, Badonka Donk. That was the, uh, <laughs> the, the one that, that I thought of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she said that. You just bet your donkey butt. Yeah. Well, you know, by today's standards, that would be a huge compliment. She'd be like, oh, like Kim Kardashian or something like that. Exactly. So. <laughs> I don't know. The word donkey, though. Well, maybe. yeah. I mean, when you throw in donkey, that definitely uh, downgrades <laughs> the potential. <laughs> Unless you're really into donkeys, I guess. Yeah. You know? But uh, we see, we change scenes again. And we this time we flash forward to the day of the party. Uh, Dorothy and Rose are uh, bringing refreshments to a snack table in the living room. Several basically unnamed guests are, uh, and, and extras are mingling in the background. Dorothy asks Sophia if she's enjoying the party, and she uh, quick, quickly and curtly responds, No, give me my present. <laughs> yeah, she seems really concerned about this gift, doesn't yeah, she? I mean, very it's much a, so. yeah. intensely concerned. And there are all these other guests, given it's a birthday party, you know. Yeah. Now, granted, there are a bunch of other potentially octogenarians. Um, right. So we don't know that they would be bringing a lot of gifts with them. Yeah. But still, it seems like there would be other gifts. Like, the gifts uh, are their presents. And if she's presence. already shit on Dorothy's gift-giving <laughs> abilities, yeah. why is she so excited to find out yeah. you know, what that gift's going to end it, up it being? It does seem like she was guilting her into trying to get her yeah. get something real good to begin with. Right. Sitting in the dark and stuff. Yeah. Well, like Brent mentioned, well, we're a week or so out from Christmas. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, well, we know they have an $89 limit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe uh, she's hoping for a, another one of those. Um, what was it, maple uh, spigots to exactly. <laughs> go on the tree, exactly. or or maybe a uh, a calendar with Dorothy's, you know, mail oh, conquest. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I'd like to see Stan and Rocco on there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she hounds them for a bit, and uh, before Dorothy heads to the kitchen to get candles for the cake, 
Uh, while she's gone, Sophia, you know, goes into it again, tries to convince Rose that she already knows who, what the surprise is and that uh, Dorothy had told her. Rose nearly gives up uh, the ghost. She almost spills the news when uh, Dorothy comes back in and finally relents, saying, you know, okay, whatever, you can have your surprise now. You win, you always win. Uh, Sophia kind of gathers everyone around then, and Dorothy gives a heartwarming speech about how much she loves her mom, who is at this point very impatient, kind of rushing her to finish. Dorothy calls for Blanche to send in uh, Angela. Uh, she comes in, and after a somewhat stunned greeting, we learn that Sophia is not impressed to see her. Uh, you call this old bag a present? And they uh, kind of trade hateful sneers, then head off in opposite directions. Right. Which, the whole thing... I enjoyed the episode overall, and we'll certainly get to ratings and all that in a bit. But I did think it seemed really implausible. It was hard for me to have like the suspension of disbelief <laughs> when it's like, so they haven't seen each other for 30 years, and you never knew there was an issue between the two of them? Yeah. Like, it never came up, or you're like, oh, hey, I'm talking to Aunt Angela on the phone. Do you uh-huh. want to talk to her? I'm sending, I got a letter from Aunt Angela. Like, there's no time yeah. when you would have brought her up. And Sophia wasn't the type to bite her tongue, so it's yeah. not like she would have not you know voiced her concerns or not yeah. concerns but her distaste for yeah. angela prior to yeah you know this party <laughs> but well i don't know maybe to a degree she because i mean what she was upset about her for was uh like a secret that she thought she broke uh confidence maybe she didn't bring it up because she didn't want to rehash that or uh, it could be i don't know i still own. think you would say like yeah i don't like that you know Horrible person, right? Or, she's she didn't dead want to, to like, get or into something. it. Yeah, she would have said yeah. something that indicated that she wasn't, you know, didn't didn't have a high opinion of Angela. I definitely agree that Sophia does not. She's not one to hold her tongue, right? So, <laughs> and plus, didn't she go to Sicily like earlier in the like season one? Yeah. So you would yeah. assume she'd been like, "Hey, uh, did she happen to see an Angela?" And she'd be like, "No, I hate that bitch." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And plus, I mean, Dorothy would have been in her 30s when all this went down. Yeah. So definitely old enough that, you know, Sophia would have said something. It's not like she was protecting a child. Yeah, at the very least in mid-20s, depending on where you want to place her, you know, on our odd timeline that we get with (laughs) things. But yeah, certainly. Called a floating timeline. Yeah, well past adult, you know. I mean, she would have had a a kid by that point. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So uh, so we, uh, we change scenes again. Uh, we see Dorothy entering the kitchen where uh, Rose and Blanche are kind of sitting at the table, uh, telling them that, you know, she just spent a half hour in the hallway talking to two closed doors. You know, Rose kind of, you know, tries to re, uh, uh, reassure her. She says, you know, that's not that bad. You know, sometimes when I'm upset, I'll find myself talking to pigs on the shower curtain. <laughs> and uh, Dorothy explains that, no, no, she was trying to talk to uh, her mother and aunt. Who just refused to talk back, and uh, now she has she has no idea where all this am- animosity has stemmed from, which, as we just discussed, is seemingly un- unexplainable. Right. <laughs> well, and it almost kind of indicates that she left uh, New York because of this rift. Um, yeah, it does it, imply that very much so. So you know, it would seem like definitely if it's like, oh, my favorite aunt is moving away. Are we even going to talk about why that's happening? <laughs> it's yeah. like, nope. She's just heading out. We're not going to discuss it at all. But Ever. Yeah, we're not even going to say goodbye. We're not going to meet her at the airport or, at, I guess, in the boat. Um, and the question was never asked, well, why Why do we not want to? Right. Well, you'd have to assume that it was on that boat ride that she found the midget, um, yeah. you know, the dead. You know, I think, actually, yeah. she says that. It yeah. was after her husband passed or something. I oh, think. yeah. Well, yeah, because she says, like, Sicily. 
Sicily nineteen fifty or New York nineteen fifty six, and she's yeah. taking the boat right to Sicily from there. So. Well, and I think later on we find that this uh, night of you know where the rift happens was in fifty five. Right, Christmas in fifty five. So yeah, so you know what? Just one year. What mm. one, what one year changes, Alan? I know, really is a, an amazing thing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so she tells her uh, that she doesn't know why they're upset with each other. And uh, Blanche claims that it must be the result of jealousy. Uh, she then tells them a story about how you know devastatingly beautiful she was as a child, and her sister Charmaine was always jealous of her. Uh, Charmaine was much better at uh, cheerleading, though, than Blanche. But uh, when they actually had to compete head-to-head to be captain of the squad, uh, Blanche won by just, you know, she kind of was not nearly as impressive <laughs> Performance-wise, but wore some sexy lace uh, panties to swing the vote in her favor, which either said uh, bonjour or bon appetit, which yeah. I thought was pretty dirty. Yeah, yeah, the bon appetit was a pretty um, ri- risque uh, joke. Either side, yeah. really. Yeah. <laughs> so, which, that brought up the thing, too, is that I don't know if they were making panties with words on them in 87, much less in 57 or whatever year it would they have been. They had plenty of puffy paint back then. <laughs> yeah, so, so you're saying Homemade, that Blanche yeah. was the one who added the, the words onto it? Possibly. Yeah. I wouldn't put it past her. She's very crafty. Yeah, that's true. I mean, bonjour wouldn't be, like, bonjour, doesn't that mean hello, hello or right? goodbye? Yeah, like good day. Uh, oh, good day. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. But um, maybe it's say bonjour on one side and bon appetit on the other. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Blanche tells him that uh, jealousy kind of drove her to uh, cheat that competition because uh, Charmaine was always Daddy's favorite, yeah. which I believe flies to the face of things she said about Big Daddy in the past. Yeah. Well, I don't know. that. I know that her and Virginia were jealous of uh, Charlene. Uh, Charmaine. Charmaine, sorry, yeah. I think you're right. I think they maybe have said that. But they kind of indicated it was because she... You know, in their opinion, fake being sick, so she got out of doing housework and whatnot because of it. But, anyways. But uh, Rose interjects that uh, if they can figure out why Sophia and Angela are upset, maybe they can uh, get them both to sit down, talk it out, and make up. Uh, she kind of wisely states that people stay angry out of habit. Uh, Blanche and Dorothy agree to the logic of her statement, but Dorothy points out that they are still stubborn old ladies and it may not work. Uh, they head in different directions in an attempt to uh, get the sisters to start talking. Dorothy goes in to talk to Angela, pleading for her to explain what's wrong. At first she resists, but Dorothy convinces her to tell. Angela again opens with the picture it line and tells a story about, uh, as we were talking earlier, a Christmas party from 1955 in which Sophia apparently kisses Angela's husband, Carmine, uh, who is uh, at this point dressed in a Santa suit. Uh, and standing under the mistletoe in front of everybody. All right. Now, you did, though, skip over probably my favorite line of the episode. Oh, go for it. Um, when Rose was, you know, commiserating about the, you know, trying to convince the two older women to, you know, see the, be convinced to talk it out. Um, she says uh, about an old Scandinavian saying, you can let two angry mackerel fight it out in a purse, but don't ever plan on carrying that purse to a formal affair. <laughs> uh, which, I don't know, I... I Thought that was similar to that uh, one she had recently. Yeah, um, I forget. What I don't remember it. I just oh, you can't. You can lead a fish to water or something. Or, yeah, or something a, like a that. Salmon to water. Or. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that line. I mean, I didn't think Rose had a lot of great ones um, in this episode. It was a little bit of a weak one for Rose. I think she had missed though that, that one loses a little bit in translation. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but I, I really like that one. And of course, too the 
the look on Dorothy's face when she says it is, <laughs> you know, again, B. Arthur doing some of her best work. Yeah. Sorry, uh, though. Yeah, back back to the bedroom with the story. <laughs> when Angela confronts her sister, uh, she claims that, you know, she thought someone else was in the suit, but Angela doesn't believe her, and then they never spoke again. Uh, Dorothy reasons with her that it's been 30 years, and, and it's still family, so... Uh, when she starts to kind of start begging, please, please, please talk to her, Angela finally agrees that she'll try it out. Uh, meanwhile, we find Rose and Blanche are talking to Sophia, trying to convince her to uh, the same thing. Why, why is she so mad at Angela? Rose starts in on a story about her family, and Sophia immediately gives up, <laughs> saying that she'll uh, agree to talk in lieu of listening to Rose's uh, story. She, of course, uses her classic picture it line, and describes uh, the same Christmas party. Uh, both sisters, you know, describe the host Francesca as making a manicotti you could anchor a boat with. Right. Uh, so she also uh, describes the local heartthrob Salvador who is at the party. Uh, she calls him the only man in the room with a neck. <laughs> um, when she leaves the room, you know, Salvador comes up behind her and grabs her and starts kissing her. She does uh, a few grabs herself, you know but needs to be, you know, a little bit uh, reserved because she is a married woman. Uh, she tells Angela about what happened. And in the uh, matter of minutes, the whole party is talking about this incident. Uh, when she confronts her sister about, you know, blabbing, telling people what happened, uh, Angela denies it, but Sophia does not believe her. And then, uh, as, as we said, they never speak again. Right. Uh, Blanche suggests that, uh, which is odd because... They both were talking about different conversations with one another, mm -hmm. resulting in not talking again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny because they apparently had this big blowout fight where they weren't even on the same page about what they were fighting about. Right. Um, it seems like somewhere in that fight, yeah, you know, I don't know, maybe if you're, maybe they were fighting in uh, Italian, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. because... Uh, well, and then we know that Sophia's, what, going to be 81 or something at this point? Yeah. Right. So, so they'd have been in their fifties. Yeah, she should have been pretty clear-minded. I, I guess maybe they were drunk. Yeah, maybe. It's uh, Christmas, Christmas party, you yeah. know. Yeah, that would probably be the best explanation that there was a little bit of uh, extra imbibing well, that, that had gone that, on. That uh, manicotti was sitting heavy on the stomachs. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, they never talk again, and uh, Blanche suggests that you know she forgive and forget after thirty years. Uh, I think one of the great lines was. Uh, Sophia also says, I forget plenty. I never forgive. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Angela enters the room, and the girls kind of you know, shove them next to each other so they can start to talk. Sophia, you know, in an attempt to kind of break the awkward silence, starts a conversation about you know, she still has her cat. And uh, Angela, I thought funnily, funnily, is that a word, funnily? I don't think so, but yeah, humorously. Like humorously? We'll, we'll yeah. say humor. That sounds better. Kind of says, the same cat I had 30 years ago, <laughs> uh, which would be a very long-lived cat. Yeah. They start getting angry at one another again and then start trading a variety of harsh old lady insults, culminating in Angela telling Sophia, may your marinara sauce never cling to your pasta. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Sophia kind of just like, you know, reels at that one. Angela storms <coughs> off and Sophia chases after her. And so we, uh, we have our final scene change. Angela, you know, enters the living room, heading for the front door uh, to leave. Dorothy is trying to convince her to stay. She responds with, I'd like to stay, but I hate your mother. Yeah, yeah, that was a good line. 
Uh, Sophia enters before Angel steps out, making a snide comment about, oh, she's still here. Uh, Dorothy almost gives up and just kind of says, whatever, you guys are going to hate each other, whatever. Uh, but then changes her mind and drags uh, Courant back to the center of the room, which I noticed she grabs her by the wrist a lot. Mm-hmm. For an old lady, I think that seems a little rough. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I would think so, too. I mean, they have brittle bones, <laughs> so. True that. Uh, <laughs> So she drags her back to the center of the room and uh, kind of starts talking about how ridiculous they're both acting, you know, pointing out that this may be actually the last time they ever see one another. Dorothy mentions that Sophia, you know, kissed her husband, and of course this starts the sisters going back and forth about their misremembered and inaccurate sides of their stories. Each one is then correcting details from the other's, you know, version of it. Uh, We then learn that Sophia never did kiss Carbine, it was some chesty lady named Maria. <laughs> and also that uh, Angela never told anybody about Salvador kissing Sophia. Some drunk guy on the floor named Vinny. He was like actually under the table. And puked on Sophia's shoes. Uh, must have been the one that blabbed to the group. Uh, then, of course, realizing that they've been you know mad and unforgiving for years, they look at each other and uh, kind of lovingly say, Angela, Sophia. <laughs> And uh, they, they share a big hug. Dorothy uh, shakes her head in disbelief at this point. Blanche and Rose are looking on, thinking that the reconciliation is very touching. And Dorothy kind of says, they should both be committed. And then we fade out. And that's, right. the, that's the episode. Yep. I, I definitely enjoyed the episode overall. I don't know if there was, you know, this is another one of those episodes that I didn't feel like there was one person that super stood out. I mean, I liked Angela. I thought she was good, but I also felt like it was... Almost an impersonation of Sophia yeah. that she was doing. Um, and Sophia was good, but it, I don't know, like her insistence over the present situation. Yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. I, and I don't necessarily like it when they, I'm totally fine with them playing Rose as like a little ditzy um, mm-hmm. or a little gullible, but they kind of played her almost more as just like straight up stupid. Yeah. And I'm not a big fan of that. Um, well, until the end when she was the only one with the voice of reason. Right. Almost um, the complete reverse of who, who she is. So, And then with Blanche, she just didn't have much of a part in this episode, I didn't yeah. feel like. So in a way, kind of by attrition, I think I'm going to give my MVP to Dorothy, mm. um, which I mean, I thought she did a good job. It was more her facial expressions, although that's really her bread and butter anyway yeah. um, than in particular lines. But uh, yeah, Dorothy gets my MVP for her, this one. Her stunned silence and looks are definitely what get her a lot of her right. best yeah. appearances. I agree. So, Ski, who is your MVP? Uh, I actually picked Sophia. I know I normally go with uh, whoever's the nicest or who is like, the moral <laughs> center. But this time, I actually kind of liked how rude <laughs> she was. <laughs> like Some of her best lines were like the rude, like curt kind of like yeah. jabs. And how about you, Brent, who gets your MVP? Uh, Nancy Walker. Okay. I'm a big fan. Fair so. enough. So did you have any uh, – I know Nancy Walker. Yeah, I didn't mean to bring her up. Um, you know, she was uh, on True Colors for 46 episodes, um, as well as probably more famously on Rhoda as Ida Morgenstern for 41 episodes. Yeah. And, and we do see her again later this season, uh-huh. um, which I would say that overall for this show, I would have loved to see more of – Angela and Sophia together, so I'm yeah. hoping that in the next episode she's in, it's a lot more yeah. of the two of them sharing the screen. But yeah. did you have some more? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so do you know who played Ida's husband on Mary Tyler Moore and Rhoda? I do not remember now. Uh, Harold Gould. Oh, okay. Around these parts, he's best known as not Miles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Currently. Later. Spoiler alert. 
He'll be, be known as Miles. Miles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so in 1959, uh, she released an album called I Hate Men, oh. <laughs> uh, which featured a cover of the hit song, I'm Gonna Wash That Man Right Out of My Hair. <laughs> wow. Um, and if you were paying attention earlier, uh, you guys remember who wrote that one. I guess I don't. I guess I wasn't paying enough attention, or at least my memory hasn't held me uh, well enough to this point. Okay. It was Rodgers and Hammerstein. Oh, okay. that's right. This was after Rodgers had ended his partnership <laughs> with Lorenz Hart, who was no relation to Moss Hart, who had preceded Oscar. So when you Hammerstein said that you were paying attention earlier, how much earlier were you talking about? <laughs> Just earlier in life. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, and then. Um, you know, she had a long career, but in 1976, she made she had her best performance in Neil Simon's Murder by Death. She plays Yetta, the illiterate deaf mute cook. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> uh, features Peter Falk and Peter Sellers and David Niven and Alec Guinness. I don't really quite was a tour se- de force by her. Yeah. Was that a serious movie or like comedy? Um, it was sort of like Clue of its mm. day. Because yeah, it sounded yeah. like that, yeah. And in fact, Eileen Brennan was in both Clue and Murder by Death. Oh, very right. nice. So uh, two different characters. Murder by Death. Yes. It's I have really to look good. Up. It's really, really funny. They made a sequel called The Cheap Detective. Hmm. Uh, Peter Falk sort of <laughs> carried over his character. This that was, was Columbo, good... right? Yes, Peter Falk was Columbo. So, yeah, she was really cool. I liked her. Yeah, I was reading over her uh, little um, IMDb. Like, they do a little mini bio on there a yeah. lot of times. And I always wonder who writes those because, you know, the way that a lot of them are written, I have to assume that it's somebody who works for or is related to or yeah. is the actual person yeah. <laughs> doing the writing. But I thought hers was great. I'll just go ahead and read it so that I'm not missing anything. But uh, not the entire thing, of course. But up to this one part that really caught my eye. Uh, they say big things often come in small packages, and never was that saying more true than when sizing up the talents of the diminutive dynamo Nancy Walker, mm-hmm. born Anna Myrtle uh, Sawyer in Philadelphia on May 10th, 1922. She lived a born-in-a-trunk existence as the daughter of vaudevillian Dewey Bardo, no relation to Billy Barty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> At the time of his run on Broadway's uh, Hell's a Poppin', Bardo was part of the comedy team of Bardo and Man. Uh, and this was my favorite line of the uh, little bio. Her younger sister, Betty Lou Bardo, had a less impressive and briefer performing career. And that's the only mention of her sister in there. <laughs> so it's like, is there some real sister rivalry there? That's I it? think I read something like, they don't know if she's dead or alive. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I guess she really drifted apart maybe yeah. from the family and reality or, yeah. you know, uh, the public eye in general. Exactly. Um, yeah, I thought that was, I, I mean, she definitely was good. She's a worthy person for the MVP. Um, yeah. And I would say that if, uh, had she gotten more screen time, um, and especially if she got more screen time with Sophia, she probably would have had a good chance of winning that for me as well. But I'm sticking with Dorothy for this one. So, uh, how many uh, slices of cheesecake did this one get for you, Ski? I get a six point five. Oh wow! I, like so the, uh, solid I actually score. kind of like the dueling stories, and the sisters bickering back and forth. <laughs> I could have seen giving it a high score like that had, again, just not to beat a dead horse, but had the two of them been on screen more. Um, but with me, again, solid episode for sure. But I gave it a, a five point five. I was like just three and a half. Three and a half. Yeah. You just didn't care for the. Uh, the the main girls in that episode or what uh, what drove it down for you? It was just, like you said, it was one of those things that they should have known there was going to be an issue. It seems like it was just a convoluted way to, you know, introduce their sister. They could yeah. have found a different <laughs> way to have them arguing, you know, or at least just acknowledge it. It's like, 
they've been fighting for 30 years, so her birthday present is I'm going to reunite them and force them to hash it out. Right, that as opposed to making it seem like you had absolutely no idea the exactly. way this would be received. And then plus, I think, you know, Rose and Blanche would have been more on board with keeping them apart. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and you think Angela, in the course of all this planning, would have given her a heads up. Yeah. So just by the way, me yeah. and your mom are not happy with one another. Exactly. Yeah, or made a comment of like, oh, yeah, so I guess she's finally ready to apologize for that, for, you know, huh? some yeah. indication <laughs> that, um, yeah, me bringing you over to celebrate her, her birthday. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Wasn't going to go horribly wrong? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so what would you say your favorite line was? Um, I think my favorite line was the uh, was Rose's the, the line mackerel. about the, yeah, the mackerels in your purse, but not to a formal affair. How about you, Mr. Brent? Oh, I liked what her butthole said, Bonjour. Or oh. bon <laughs> <laughs> uh, mine was actually when they were talking about uh, Maria with the big boobs. Oh, okay. It says all the men, pin, you know, this was, I guess, after uh, the, the entertainment left and everyone started getting bored, all the men pin, pitched pennies into her cleavage. And then Sophia says she walked away with $19 of my my husband's hard-earned money. I'm thinking that must have been a heavy bra. Yeah, no shit. And in 1956, I mean, $19 would have been a pretty significant sum to throw into a person's. Well, and she specifically said pennies. Yeah. So, you so, know. Uh, what, 1,900 <laughs> pennies? <laughs> Not to mention what the other fellas would have thrown in themselves. But. <laughs> That's 400 scoops of jimmies. Yeah, exactly. You <laughs> <laughs> could be swimming in jimmies for that exactly. amount of money. But anyways, well, uh, yeah, I think with that, uh, anything else to add? Um, not now, but after you say stay golden, Coco, I do have something more to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I'll just go ahead and say uh, stay golden, Coco. It is unclear if Betty Lou is still alive. Some sources cite 2012 as the year of her death. While other genealogical sources have conflated her entirely with an entirely different performer, singer Eileen Barton. Hmm. Well, I'm going to go ahead and once again say, stay golden, Coco. Damn it. <laughs> hey, thanks so much for downloading today. If you enjoyed that opening, you should definitely check out Ashley Jade on YouTube. She has a bunch of awesome compositions on there. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at sophiaschoicepodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at sophiaschoicepc. We plan to have a new episode out every Monday. If you have a moment, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever else fine podcasts are downloaded. And of course, stay golden. <laughs>